0: This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work
1: for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with nation. the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. All right, what's up America? I am Rich Valdez, your liberty loving Latino amigo, right here, seventeen blocks away from Madison Square Garden in New York City at Rich Valdez on all the social media. And I wanna talk about President Trump. Now President Trump is always in the headlines, even though he's not president anymore. He still dominates so much of the coverage, including in places like CNN and other places. And One of those places, NPR. Now, I was listening to NPR earlier, and I do this a lot just for this purpose, to kind of torture myself, drive myself crazy. So I warn you, get yourself a little bucket, a little pail. Some of what you're going to hear may give you a little bit of adage, may give you a little bit of a a sour stomach, but I think it's uh, important for us to take a look at it. All right? So this was on NPR just today. It was on a show called Fresh Air on NPR and they were interviewing a journalist from the New York Times. Her name, Ms. Benner, B-E-N-N-E-R, Kate Benner or Katie, either way. They talked about a lot of things and we're going to go through this step by step. I don't like to cut the audio clips really, really short just to make fun of people. Some people do, and that's fine. It's funny, and occasionally I'll do it. Like if I want to play the Joe Biden, I got hairy legs. You know, I do that real short. But I try to give context because that's how I was trained in this business by uh, the greats like Mark Levin, uh, Mr. Producer. They they said, hey, make sure that you do this thing right. Provide the context. So I'm going to listen to them. And they go from saying that, Uh, Pat Cipollone, White House counsel, was anti-Trump, working against the president with respect to the efforts to ensure election integrity after the 2020 election to saying that Trump, as bad and sinister as they paint him to be, didn't even do anything to stop the testimony of officials. Right, because there's people that are now in the January 6th uh, select committee hearings testifying and whatnot. So I know that this is something that's a little bit off the beaten path, but it was on NPR today. They made a huge deal of it. It was a back-to-back interview, like 40 minutes long. I cut out a couple of clips, and I want you to hear them, because they went into everything. And ultimately, even the fake news, New York Times um, journalist, this woman, uh, Ms. Benner, to her credit, she admitted – Look, Trump didn't try to stop people. And then, you know, she kind of walked that back a little bit, but she made it clear, and she also made it clear, it's very unusual in the United States that we actually go after a president the way we did, and it's unlikely that we're actually going to really try him and put him in jail. And of course, the answer to that is we know why he didn't do anything wrong. But all that being said, I want you to listen to this interview between uh, the host of Fresh Air and This reporter, journalist uh, Benner, about Pat Cipollone, listen to this.
2: Have any of the people who worked on behalf of Trump spoken with you recently about these ongoing investigations?
3: Another way to look at it, though, is whether or not any of the White House officials involved in those last few weeks of the administration have spoken with investigators. And to our knowledge, they have not. That would include former chief of staff Mark Meadows. It would include... Pat Cipollone, the former White House Counsel, we do know that during his nearly seven hours of interview with the Senate Judiciary Committee, that Jeff Rosen was very forthcoming about the role that Pat Cipollone, the former White House Counsel, played in these final weeks. He felt that Cipollone was uh, both privately supportive of the Justice Department and that in key moments he was willing to push back on Mark Meadows and on Donald Trump.
1: All right, I'm going to stop that right there because I know that you don't want to listen to this thing. And this is why I cut this thing down because I know it's kind of like torture to listen to this stuff. It's like uh, nails across the chalkboard. But I want you to hear what they have to say because they went on, there's uh, only a couple more clips, saying that Trump's so bad, Trump is this and Trump is that. But guess what? Trump and his legal team... former Representative Collins, stopped short of stopping anybody from testifying. In fact, they said, you know, uh, they could have used some legal maneuvers and said, hey, look, no, you're not going to do that. We're going to claim executive privilege. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. He said, do what you got to do. Go right ahead. I'm not stopping anybody from testifying. But the people that you've already subpoenaed to testify, let that be it and let's move forward. Listen to this.
2: What are... Trump and his lawyers trying to do to prevent people from testifying in the ongoing investigations.
3: So that's a really interesting thing. You you would have thought that the pres- former president would have sued to prevent people from testifying, or he would have done made some sort of motion to, uh, to prevent what could be really damning testimony being given to both the Justice Department inspector general and to investigators in Congress. Instead... He had his lawyer, um, the former representative from Georgia, Doug Collins, write a letter. And it wasn't a letter to Congress, which can actually make decisions about the investigation, but to write a letter to the witnesses, oddly, that simply said, we think that it's totally wrong for the Justice Department to not invoke executive privilege. We think that waiving it was disrespectful and illegal. However, we're not going to stop you from testifying. If investigators want to speak with other people who don't work at the Justice Department or who haven't already been you know asked to speak, then we might change our minds and file some sort of legal brief to stop it. It was an, it was a strange letter. It was strangely worded, basically saying, "You guys can testify, but we will act if other people are called before investigators. So you can imagine that that would include somebody like Mark Meadows.
1: Well, there you have it. Trump didn't do anything. This is the same thing that Mueller came up with. This is the same thing they have at the end of every Trump witch hunt, is that he didn't do anything. And I'm not trying to make him out to be a saint. I'm just trying to make it out to kind of coincide with what this woman, Ms. Benner, is saying, that... And you'll hear in a moment what I'm talking about, that this is the United States and we don't go after this. And she doesn't even come across as she's on Trump's side. But she does kind of call a spade a spade in this interview, at least a little bit. Now, she goes on to say that it was Mark Meadows and uh, the attorney, Clark, who was trying to finagle his way into becoming U.S., uh, not U.S. Attorney, Attorney General. Now, I don't know how true or false that is. Uh, I'd never heard that story. However, I do know that she mentions it and makes it sound like it's this guy Clark and Mark Meadows who were doing all of the cajoling of people, presumably at the hand of President Trump. But how could it be? Como puede ser? Listen to this.
2: So just to clarify, who are they saying could testify and who would they try to
3: stop from testifying? So investigators in Congress, they've They've asked for the testimony of a few key former Justice Department officials. That would include Jeffrey Rosen, who was the acting attorney general at the time, Rich Donahue, his deputy, the acting deputy attorney general. They've asked for testimony from um, a man named Patrick Kovakimian, who had acted as chief of staff uh, to top officials and was knowledgeable about all of the efforts by Jeff Clark to Uh, both subvert the election results and perhaps even become Attorney General himself. They've asked for Jeff Clark. And then they've asked for two U.S. attorneys in Georgia to come in. And what Trump said in his letter was, this group of officials, I'm not going to stop them from testifying. Even though I think it's totally wrong and outrageous that the Justice Department has said they can, I'm not going to stop them. However, if investigators ask for anyone else, I could change my mind. And you could imagine that the anyone else would be likely to include somebody like Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff, who, based on documents, uh, emails, the handwritten notes of Donahue and our own reporting, shows you know that he was deeply involved in in all of these efforts uh, to pressure the Justice Department.
1: All right. Now, even a broken clock is right twice a day. And even if there's some spin on this, I think she uh, genuinely tells the truth here. And not that I suspect that she's lying. I believe she's telling what she believes to be true. But here I think her reporting has led her down a road where clearly Trump's not going to jail. All these people that have this fantasy, oh, Rudy Giuliani's coming out in handcuffs. Trump is coming up in handcuffs. They're going to be in orange jumpsuits. You people are out of your minds. Equally, like the people that think Fauci's going to jail, Hillary Clinton's going to jail, lock her up, lock her up, lock her up. It's a pipe dream. It's not happening. I mean, when was the last time you saw anybody go to jail for political corruption? Duval Patrick or uh, Kwame? What's the other guy? Rod Blagojevich? Kwame Kilpatrick? I mean, there's a handful of people that go to jail for corruption in politics. When was the last time you saw a president do that? Look at what everything they had on Nixon. And he just said, all right, I'm going to retire. Take care. I'll see y'all. <laughs> Peace. Trust me. Not going down like that. And she kind of explains it because the swamp protects itself. The minute we start prosecuting President Trump, we open the door to prosecute Clinton, Obama, everybody else who's done things. And I'm not saying that Trump has done things. I'm just saying they won't set that precedent. They just want to set him up to try and take him down and destroy him so that nobody ever gets motivated to do this type of thing again. Anyway, listen to this one.
2: The Justice Department already had some clues about what was happening uh, in terms of Trump trying to overturn the election results a few days before January 6th, a few days before the attack on the Capitol. Um, What have you learned about the reaction within the Justice Department after the Capitol was invaded by
3: Trump supporters. In the hours after the January 6th attack, I think that the best description for what was going on inside of the Justice Department was a feeling of complete horror. You know, they felt that they had survived what they saw as a coup attempt by one of their own colleagues just days before. They felt that the election certification on January 6th would give everybody the all clear. They could relax. The January 6th certification would happen. Biden would be officially, officially, officially declared the winner. Nothing could be done to stop it. And then it was just going to be limping through the next 14 days of, you know, whatever request came from the White House, but they would be able to handle it. Instead, what you saw was this devastating attack on the Capitol. It was an attack on democracy. It was something that was abhorrent to the officials remaining in the building, but it also kicked off the very largest criminal investigation in generations within the Justice Department. Not just investigating people who would attack the Capitol, but investigating the supporters of the president. So it was also extremely politically fraught. Keep in mind, in the United States of America, we don't investigate political supporters generally. We have free and fair elections instead. We try to depoliticize law enforcement. And instead, they are put in the position of investigating the president's supporters who attack the Capitol. It's really difficult.
1: So there you have it. She's talking about this is the biggest investigation into the president of the United States and his supporters. Wow. That's coming from the New York Times. Kate Benner from the New York Times is telling NPR that the United States government is now investigating supporters of the president because of their politics. You heard her say it. I didn't say it. I think even the host was like, come again? Come again, and she needs a little clarification, and we'll get that clarification. But this is the bottom line. We can't continue to criminalize people's choices that are political. You can't be considered subhuman because you're a conservative Republican and vice versa. This is why I don't like to sit here and use certain uh, rhetorical terms that are just so heavy-handed about the Democrats. I I do make a lot of heavy statements about the Democrats, but ultimately I always say the same thing. I don't hate these people. I hate their politics. I want them to agree with me or at least disagree agreeably. I don't want to bash them in the head and eliminate them from society because the minute that I do – is the minute that I'm embracing fascism and I'm saying, you know what, whatever we got to do, we'll use force to get rid of your dissenting opinion. I don't want them to do it to me and I don't want to do it to them. No, but Rich, you don't understand. It's the only thing they understand. No, it's not, man. We've existed for hundreds of years in this country. And we've done it this way based on the civil society. America's only existed because of virtue in the civil society. Now, yeah, there's a lot of things that happen. There's a lot of nefarious deals. There's the Federal Reserve. There's this. There's that. I get it. I'm not saying that we're perfect by any means. I am saying that the politics in America and the body politic in America are done civilly. And it's not just the formality of people in Congress saying, oh, the gentlewoman from here and the the gentleman from X, Y, and Z state. It's literally how it's baked into the plan. You do all the dirt you can and you don't get caught. You do all the dirt you can without getting your hands dirty. You do all the dirt you can while smiling and keeping your nose clean. This is how they do it, servers and basements, backroom deals. It's never in your face, smash and grab. Now, we're getting close to that because certain people are saying, you know what? You Democrats are too weak. All these little uh, uh, tricks and shadiness and the chicanery, it's just not enough. We've got to really get in their face. Like, you know, Rashida Tlaib, she, she starts screaming and getting in people's faces and they embrace that type of uh, violent, fascistic behavior. And instead of the Democrats pushing back on that, they're like, oh, snap, I'm afraid of them. So I'm going to roll with them instead of getting rolled over. But Kate Benner, she clarifies for the host of Fresh Air on NPR. And again, thank you for bearing with me. I know these these voices are difficult to hear. But she reiterates and says, no, the U.S. does not invade, uh, investigate, excuse me. I'm listening to too much of their uh, invasion of the capital business does not investigate former presidents of the United States and it does so because you can't prosecute them for their politics and to say that you're going to prove their actions outside of politics would be a really tough standard and this is the reason why we don't do this and we hope that people are scrupulous. In this job. But it's the same reason when somebody calls and says, What's going on with Joe Biden? How come nobody arrests him for treason, for this, for that? This is part of that reason. The other reason is the people that would lock him up are all his friends and work for him. But anyway, listen to this.
2: There's some very incriminating information that has come out so far about what Donald Trump tried to do to um, nullify. the the Biden victory and declare himself the winner. So why do you think that it's more likely that um, other officials would be prosecuted but not Trump himself? Because if he's the one pulling the strings and if he's the one doing the ask, why would he be not prosecuted? Why wouldn't he be prosecuted?
3: I guess the reason I'm hesitant to say that the Justice Department would want to open up an investigation to President Trump first. I guess there are two reasons for that. One is really practical and the other is a little bit more philosophical maybe. But the first one is that the Justice Department, as it builds cases traditionally in almost any criminal matter, you start with uh, lower level players and you work your way up finding evidence and based on the evidence, move up the chain higher. So you would start with somebody lower level who might have just been helping the president in his efforts, figure out through that investigation what you find and whether or not it supports the idea of moving higher toward the president. So that's just a practical matter. Mm -hmm. And the other is that the very idea of criminally investigating and prosecuting a former president is really much more politically difficult in the United States than I think that that, you know, the public has treated it over the last four years. We had an extremely unusual presidency marked by investigations, marked by two impeachment. So constantly marked by accusations of, you know, misdemeanors, high crimes, and actual violations of the criminal code. That is not usual, but the public has been primed to believe that that the idea of prosecuting a president or a former president is, is something that can just be done. It is something that is so unusual, and we must be so careful about in the United States. I truly believe that. We have a democracy, we have elections, and we generally have been taught that we don't go after people because of their politics. We don't criminally investigate them or indict them. So to make that distinction is really difficult for the Justice Department. To make the distinction that we are investigating the former president for his actions rather than his political beliefs is going to be a very hard thing to do. And the department's not going to want to take that on unless they feel really certain that they can do that based on evidence.
1: All right. So there you have it. She laid it out again. You can't do this stuff without evidence. There is no evidence. You can't just say because I don't like him and I don't like his politics that all of a sudden we're going to put people in jail and start locking them up. doesn't matter if it's an arena filled with Trump supporters screaming lock her up or lock him up for Fauci or if it's these clowns in CNN and NPR and everywhere else saying that Trump is going to be coming out of the White House in handcuffs and his attorney Giuliani is going to be following suit. All of it's BS. I'm not saying, do you think Hunter Biden's going to go to jail? No. These are distractions. It's like throwing a dog a bone so that he has something to chew on and he doesn't get into your hair. You want to keep him busy. See past that noise so that you're not the dog with the bone. Let's really go after the things that matter. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez. Up next, how the investigations into Trump continue, this time with his taxes and what the IRS is going to do to try and, quote unquote, take down tax cheats. What the IRS is going to do to take down tax cheats. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America.
2: This is America.
1: What's up, America? Welcome back. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and we're talking about the continued takedown of President Trump. They keep going after him, and I want to look at this um, audio. I want you to listen to this clip of audio. No, 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 don't worry. It's not NPR. It's even worse. It's MSNBC. It's Joy Reid. Joy Reid was on MSNBC, and she says – she's always on MSNBC, but she was on there yesterday – and she says – Cuomo and the Democrats hold their members accountable. Wow. Isn't that something? Cuomo's holding people accountable? Well, at least the Democrats are holding Cuomo accountable is what she's talking about. And we're still waiting for the resignations of Matt Gates, Jim Jordan, Madison Cawthorn. And I'm thinking, why? What did these guys do? I mean, I know they're trying to pull down um, uh, uh, one of these witch hunts on Matt Gates. But what did Jim Jordan do? What did uh, Madison Cawthorn do? He's brand new in Congress. He's in a wheelchair. I don't understand. He said a few bombastic things and that somehow gets everybody angry. Maybe he told the truth and they didn't like the truth. Anyway, she says that Cuomo's announcement and his exit strategy were really just highlights of a glaring double standard. How the Democrats do the right thing and Republicans don't do the right thing ever. Check this out. Well, that said, Cuomo's announcement uh, and his, his exit, it actually highlights a glaring double standard that we've got to discuss as Republicans who for four years excused Donald Trump, try to join in on the outrage, and even claim a sort of victory. But honestly, the truth is, Cuomo's exit was entirely, 100%, the product of Democratic pressure, because Democrats hold their own to a higher standard of conduct. Meanwhile, we still await the resignation announcements from alleged teen sex trafficker Matt Gates, creepy car guy Madison Cawthorn, and Jim Jordan, who allegedly looked the other way as an assistant coach, at the at, as an assistant coach at the sexual predation of a state wrestling coach long before he became an insurrectionist. Just saying. Just saying. Just saying, Joy Reid. Well, here's what I'm just saying, Joy Reid. Check this out. I would say that you talk all this smack because you, you want to try and deflect. But the reality is people are still coming after Trump, right? What is it that Trump has done that's so evil and nefarious, right? They're saying that, Some people in his organization may have not paid tax on certain corporate perks, and they want to put these people in jail for having a company car or a company card, a company credit card. I mean, seriously, maybe using a company apartment in one of the Trump buildings. You should go to jail for that because you received it as a gift and didn't pay tax on it? Are you serious? Now a federal judge has upheld parts of the House's a subpoena for Trump's tax records. And this is uh, news from today, Thursday, August 12th. New York Post, check this out. Federal judge in Washington, D.C., has ruled Wednesday that House Democrats are entitled to some of former President Donald Trump's financial records, though fewer filings than they had sought before the 45th president left the White House. The decision by the United States District Judge, Amit Mehta, was the latest turn in a case that has already seen... The Supreme Court intervened once, and the high court may do it again. Democrats in the House Oversight and Reform Committee initially subpoenaed Trump's accounting firm, Mazers USA, back in April of 2019 for records dating back to 2011. Now, you tell me, he started running for president in 2015, got elected in 16, and took office in 2017. Yet the House of Representatives wants his tax records going back to 2011. Doesn't that strike you as odd? It strikes me as odd. I know they'll make a case saying, well, we want to see what kind of dealings he has and blah, blah, blah. We just want to know stuff and then maybe we'll form a conclusion. That's not really how things work in life. But anyway, now, then President Trump challenged a subpoena in court And he lost twice before the Supreme Court ruled in July of 2020 that these lower courts had not taken into account, quote unquote, special concerns regarding separation of powers. Oh, that's funny. I seem to remember the great one, Mark Levin, mentioning those things. I'm glad the court was listening. But applying a new analysis set out by the Supreme Court, Judge Mehta ruled that the committee was entitled to the information about Trump's lease agreement with the Federal General Services Administration for his Washington, D.C., hotel. The judge also ordered Mazers to turn over the tax and financial records of the Trump and Trump organization, so his individual taxes and his company's taxes, only for the years of 2017 and 2018 over to the House committee. Meta also ruled that the committee was not entitled to any other records, saying lawmakers had identified a limited need for them, and he granted it based on those need those two years. Quote, the more Congress can invade the personal sphere of a former president, the greater leverage Congress would have on a sitting president, is what Judge Mehta wrote. And the greater leverage for the greater or improper institutional advantage that Congress would possess over a co equal branch of government. That seems somewhat fair in my estimation of it. If you get all this information, now you have all this leverage on a president, even if he was a candidate and whatnot. So it's unfair. And he's saying he's doing this based on this tiny scope that they provided that he might have been violating the emoluments clause and blah, 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 which I think is a stretch. But hey, so the committee reissued the Mazers subpoena in February of this year and the previous one expired on the swearing in of the new Congress in January. Committee chairwoman Carolyn Maloney said in a statement that the ruling recognized that the Oversight Committee is entitled to a broad set of President Trump's financial records as part of our critical investigation, which is aimed at preventing presidential conflicts of interest, self-dealing, and constitutional violations. This is what they're making up, you know, so that this never happens again, so we never get a Trumper again. Maloney added that while it was disappointing that the court, despite finding that the entire subpoena served valid legislative purposes, narrowed the subpoena in some respects to the committee and They're exploring new steps. Now, separately, the Justice Department's Office of Legal Counsel said in an opinion last month that the Treasury Department must provide the House Ways and Means Committee with Trump's tax returns. That opinion said that the committee chairman had invoked sufficient reasons for requesting the former president's tax information and that under federal law, the Treasury must furnish the information to the committee the committee's hunt for records overlaps with other records that have already been released to investigators. Last year, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of Manhattan D.A. Cyrus Vance Jr. and his demand for Trump's tax returns, though the ruling kept the documents out of the public eye. Vance's office took possession of those records in February. And to date, I don't think they've been leaked, but I'm pretty sure there's a leak coming soon. Now, what does all this mean? Well, this is clearly they're going to go after Trump. This is two things. One, they're trying to go after Trump however they can. Ex post facto, we're going to say he did this, he did that, he did this while he was president and we're going to try and get him. And I don't think that he's um, going to be found guilty of absolutely anything because he went into the presidency having businesses. If you own probably the nicest hotel uh, by a mile in Washington, D.C., I think you're going to get some of the best Uh, more popular, most wealthy people to attend. And those may include heads of state. And I didn't print, I should have printed the article, but there were plenty of times where the Trump organization donated revenue from heads of state while Trump was president back to the treasury to avoid any even um, perceived impropriety. But the point here is if this is what they're going to do to Trump because he was independent, he was ballsy, and he was uh, wealthy, Wealthy enough to take a more than half a billion dollar loss to be president and to run for president. Imagine what they'll do to you and me that don't have the resources and influence and network that Trump has. And that's exactly what I'm looking at. My buddy in Texas, Dave, big shout out to Dave in Texas. He's in Houston. He sends me this article and says, IRS plans to track down tax cheats. At a time, and this is in Kiplinger.com, and it says, at a time... When Americans are deeply polarized on many issues, the need to crack down on tax scofflaws is one topic that probably won't trigger a Thanksgiving dinner squabble. Lawmakers like the idea, too, because narrowing the tax gap, the difference between the taxes owed and the amount that goes unpaid, could fund billions of dollars in government spending on, guess what, infrastructure infrastructure as well as child care and other initiatives. So estimates of the size of the tax gap vary. But IRS Commissioner Chuck Reddick made headlines early in the year when he estimated that it exceeds a trillion dollars every year. When it comes to specifics, though, some proposals to recover outstanding taxes could give even honest taxpayers Uh, a little bit of grief on this, particularly if they have privacy concerns. Now, the Biden administration's proposed increasing the IRS budget by $80 billion over the next decade, which would fund, among other things, the cost of hiring 5,000 new enforcement agents. So we'll make it bigger and stronger and they'll be in your face a little bit more. I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Said no one ever. Anyway, the administration has emphasized that the proposed increase in audits Which, if plummeted in recent years, would focus on large corporations and individuals who earn more than $400,000 a year. And we've had this argument. There's a whole bunch of people like that. Just because it's not you and me doesn't mean anything. Unlike taxpayers who have taxes withheld from their paychecks, wealthy individuals tend to earn more of their income from investments and other non-labor sources that aren't subject to withholding. But if you're self-employed or if you've invested in cryptocurrency, Measures to reduce the tax gap could affect you even if you le- earn less than $400,000 a year. Aha! Uh-huh. Dun dun dun. Is this TMI? Well, look, in an effort to crack down on sole proprietors and self employed taxpayers, guess what? We call them the middle income earners, or the Dems call them the middle class, who underreport their income or inflate their deductions, the Biden administration wants to require their banks your bank, to report the amount of withdrawals that you make and deposits that you make during the year, in addition to the interest that you earn. Wow, look at that, how nice. For example, Form 1099, which banks send to the IRS and their customers every year, might show that a customer had $100,000 in deposits, $20,000 in withdrawals, and $4, 000, or excuse me, $400 in interest. The Treasury Department says this additional information would help the IRS identify taxpayers who aren't reporting all of their income. But the amount of information the reporting requirement would need would generate is really tied to a lot of things and would cause pushback from privacy advocates. The banking industry, Republican lawmakers, etc. all would take exception. Critics say it would bury the IRS in information much of it not useful for enforcement purposes. They just want to know more about you. Big Brother is coming at you again from a new angle. Now they want to know every last penny. Separately, the Treasury Department wants to require payment services and businesses that accept cryptocurrencies to report transactions that exceed $10,000, a requirement that already applies on cash transactions as well. Taxpayers who've invested in cryptocurrency need to keep good records because it's going to be a big focus area. Uh, for the IRS, as Tim Spees, he's a partner at the accounting firm of Eisner Amper. The IRS is concerned that some investors are using cryptocurrency to shield income from the government. And that, of course, is contributing to what they like to call the tax gap. I would like a tax gap, a big gap between me paying taxes and the government, right? A huge gap is what I'd like. Anyway, here's the upside. While much of the focus of the administration's proposal is to shrink the tax gap that's been... uh enforced here. There are deals to sweeten it as well in this plan. Increasing the IRS budget would help the agency replace outdated technology. This is all spin right here. And improve their customer service. Yeah, right. The Treasury says it was abysmal during the the pandemic. Taxpayers who tried to call the IRS endured long wait times, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. In part, blah, 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 more spin, more spin. The Biden administration wants to reverse that trend by adding customer service representatives, including staffers dedicated to helping taxpayers navigate recently expanded programs such as the advanced child credit. Wow, that's a whole lot. So we're going to give you a few hundred bucks if you're a recipient of the child uh, child tax credit, excuse me. And even if you don't have kids, we'll figure out a way to give you a piece of that pie. And it's a bribe to earn some points, some brownie points. And everybody else, listen, we need rats everywhere. We need a rat at the bank. We need a rat here. We want all sorts of information. The government wants all of your information. That's where we're at. Unbelievable. Anyway, this is why I say you have to stand for something, whether it's the IRS or anybody else, because if you stand for nothing, you will fall for anything, And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't let evil triumph. Don't let it happen. Don't let the IRS come on top of you or get into Trump's pocket. Don't just, we have to push back. We have to raise our voices. Anyway, that's your job. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez and this is America.
2: This is America.